Awooga, this is a 12th cast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another Dwarfcast commentary. You love the Dwarfcast commentaries, so here's another one. Uh, this one is, um, uh, astonishingly, in seven years uh, we haven't done this episode. Series 3, episode 3, Polymorph. Um, joining me today, and my name's Jonathan Caps, but joining me is Ian Symes. Hello. Tanya Jones. Hello. Jonathan Hoare. Hello. It's actually John Hoare. And you. Carl Eisenhower, who is a friend of the website. We he used to give us all of uh, John and Ian's news in the early days uh, before they realised what Google News Alerts were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was a revelation. <laughs> was I'd a completely revelation. forgotten that. That's why you're around. So <laughs> fine, thank you. <laughs> kept him as a friend. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's uh, we've just had a very busy dwarf cast, and this is a slightly more relaxed one with Jim. So. Um, Tee up the episode if you so wish. Uh, this is the unremastered version. You had a lucky escape there. Um, <laughs> there was a discussion. <laughs> there was a discussion. Um, what's going to happen now is you'll hear beeps and then at the uh, pips, sorry, at the end of the pips, uh, play the episode and shut the fuck up. Hey, eight out of ten cats prefer Ganymede and Titan. There ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. www.ganymede.tv Warning. Oh, uh, yeah. Gravelly voice, according to the subtitles. And thank God, thank God, the DVD contains the as-broadcast version, which says oh. this week's Red Dwarf, as opposed to the VHS version, yeah. which just said this Red Dwarf. It's Absolutely. the best thing Andrew Ellard's done in his entire career. <laughs> Shot from series two in the um, series the three uh, title scene. caption text there what, uh, looked bullshit on this telly. In but fact, then this is a 50 inch plasma screen this is a but what's interesting we've just watched a series one episode and mm. I've got the feeling it's going to look better than this yeah there's something probably due to the quality of the masters that went into the DVDs maybe yeah I think series three did have some oh no series six had some issues with no, the masters yeah it did no series three is very very odd and, so and it has a very odd had, look yeah. to it um, and I think it's a number of things I think the fact that the lighting in series three possibly the sets are slightly less floodlit yeah. in series one, two, but the problem is you basically because it was just after um, just after the shooting of this series that the um, uh, studio up at Oxford Road in Manchester had um, a big refit. Mm. So this is basically a creaky analog studio at the end of its life, yeah. And it kind of looks like in the eighties, but I really love the look of it. It's it's certainly unique, and obviously you can tell why it's unique because it's the first of the new style. But yeah, it's the last to be made in Manchester. Yeah, so it's it's going to be different from everything before. It's and after. outgrown. But yeah, it's it's the quality of the tapes combined with the lighting, I think, which gives this it's really strange, fuzzy, sort of otherworldly look. And I think it's the cameras as well. It's the tube cameras at the very yeah. end of their life. It's, it's kind of like it, the differences in quality that you get in the early series of Red Dwarf. Reminds me to use a contrived analogy. Admittedly, it reminds me of old um, World Cups in the seventies and eighties, when because they were shot at different places around the world, they all look really unique in the types yes, of cameras yeah. used and yes. the daylight and everything. Do you and know what might be another thing as well? Do you think this series had maybe a bit more of an editing job on it? Yes, actually, I and think you've that got to could think also about be. You've got you're mm. going down generations, and this would have had mm. more, especially on something like Polymorph. Yeah, the yeah the 
the gag that's coming up with the underpants. Yeah, which is interesting because series five had a shitload of of edits, and you just don't really see any of the video degradation. The the editing process must have been. Yeah, the editing process, and you're starting with better quality material. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing. Well, when do they stop using one inch video? Um, They never stop it until. No, series five would have been one inch video, but the thing is, you're probably. If I'm correct, and I may be wrong, but I don't think you're using tube cameras on Series uh, 5. Okay. You haven't got trails, light trails. Ooh, yeah. I'm willing to be corrected on that if we someone wants to tell us. We an effect uh, video... Oh, I don't know. What do you call that effect? It would be a video effect. It's, it's a video um, effect. It's like quanti- a replay. Yeah. Very, like, yeah, fast Is that Quantel? No. I'm not sure. Possibly mm. at this stage, Quantel. Quantel was like a brand name for a type of desk that could do oh, various bits and bobs. So quite insane split screen Quantel in DNA. Yes, internally when you went public address system. Now this scene is the one that was inspired by Mel Bibby. Am I correct? Mel Bibby coming up with the idea of uh, uh, reusing shit that they'd find. Mm. Yeah, and, and you are right. Yes. Take change into a whole scene. Yeah. By the way, um, we got kind of sidetracked onto more technical matters at the start, but. Um, I really enjoy the sort of horror movie setup of yeah. the hole in the pod, the hole in the dwarf, and then the comedy of the creature itself. Yeah, and yeah. it undercuts the, the tension. <laughs> the model shot. Uh, this is something that, if you are familiar <laughs> with G and T and have been following recently, you'll already have read. There was a trailer for <laughs> Doctor Who VHSs that was shown on TV in the early nineties. That for some reason used the shot and the voiceover and the music from Polymorph, as if there wasn't enough model shots of spaceships in Doctor <laughs> yeah. Who. But of course, that model shot is far better than most of the model yeah. shots you found. Despite the fact that yeah, a lot of the same people were involved. I was just thinking that Safeway tube of tomato puree that Liston was <laughs> using there uh, could have probably been purchased from the same safe rate I used to use in Manchester <laughs> That is an really excellent fact. A few fact. years, you know, yeah. after this episode. <laughs> I do love this scene so much. There's a there's a good day out to be had by all Red Dwarf fans in Manchester of going to various locations, which we've done a couple of times. Of um, Sasha's, which is the restaurant that was used in Better Than Life. Yeah. Uh, the... Uh, is it actually the Holiday Inn that they use for the Ganymede Holiday Inn? Oh, the Midland Hotel. Yeah, the Midland, Midland Hotel. Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Don't uh, tell me they're there for a Red Dwarf pilgrimage. It'll chuck you out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they weren't very friendly. Um, <laughs> they weren't, were they? Uh, Lime Park is uh, the park in Backwards and also where the mansion yeah. for time slides. Is. We had loose plans to do some sort of production. <laughs> yeah. of Ten the, years ago. Ten years ago. You, you Ten can years ago. also visit the site of the old... New broadcasting house. Yeah, Oxford Road. Demolished. The old new broadcasting house. The street they walk down in. Um... Uh, yeah, that's uh, something street. <laughs> it's a, it, the main <laughs> oh, famous street. street in Market Manchester. Street. Nah, another one. Don't know. It's, 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 it's... Now, nah. the amount of self delusion from them <laughs> here is quite extraordinary, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I mean, if I had had the kind of childhood that that Rimmer had had, fun fact, I would is, not be reviewing. Is this. it self delusion, or is he just try? Does he know too well, and he's just presenting this differently to Crichton because it's all about keeping up appearances? No, because he's smiling before he sees Crichton. 
Uh, it's a normalisation of abuse. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> Dark, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm Doctor Tanya Jones. <laughs> yeah. Doctor Jones, Doctor Jones, Doctor Jones, Caroline. Fun fact: uh, it's a young Mark Dexter uh, in that scene. What Vimmer's mum? <laughs> do you know what? This is a, a bullshit sitcom. <laughs> it is actually. But, <laughs> It's in fact, same. the exact same joke is in popular comedy playhouse pilot. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, she's rubbish. Oh, yeah, you yeah. did well getting rid of her. She's my fiance. Oh. But but you've got this very so unique. Can, can we nail down why it's different, please? Because for the sake of my sanity. Because uh, it's Crichton's elaboration and the use of language and the verbose yeah. nature and yeah. all the synonyms for fish, basically. Yeah. Um, yes, this is a very well. It's a really common thing with um, people who have been through a certain level of abuse consistently throughout their childhood and they just like they, they normalise it and just assume that everybody had a childhood yes. like that and it's all fine it's, it's, all the, kind fine, of, yeah. it's the kind of person that says oh I was beaten regularly as a child you <laughs> do me any harm <laughs> you know, that kind yeah, of evidently thing did where people just oh they laugh about it and they're describing something fairly horrific <laughs> mm-hmm. and you <laughs> So yet again, okay. Red Dwarf is just fucking bleak. <laughs> well, Rimmer is bleak, isn't he? He's a very, very, very bleak man. Yeah, and but this very, is the, very funny. Yeah, this is in the supposedly Monster of the Week, first Monster of the Week series. Quite, mm. quite. To carry on what we were talking about in the last one, which mm. hopefully will be the last one that we have. <laughs> the last one we did was Confidence of Power Nine. Peace. I used to use that line a lot when I was a kid when my mum was pissing me off. <laughs> 28 years old it was. I said that when I was a kid so it's just really just so. Crane's mask looks wet. Yes, it always looks sweaty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In series three. Yeah. yeah, like it's poured through from how horrendously sweaty it must have been on the inside. It's osmosed. This is uh, the scene. Uh, yeah, allegedly the greatest Red Dwarf scene of all time. Which it isn't. It's uh, not even the best scene in this episode. I don't. You know. can see why it would catch on. Though. Yeah, it's 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 eye catching and I, funny. Yeah, it's 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 it is actually the audience reaction that makes it for me. It is one of the most joyous audience reactions yeah. in this, the entire history mm, of audience sitcom. If there's one thing though that will kill something for me it, is. Yeah. The cast going on about it too much and, and being, it being this it common trope all over and over again. It's the Del Boy yeah. through, <laughs> falling through the bar <laughs> of Red is. Dwarf, this really, is, isn't it? Is. <laughs> it is funny. It yeah. is. And Rimmer, uh, Chris Barry is. And, he, the best and Chris thing Barry about had it. to wait there for 40 minutes. It, it until was the, three hours. It was it three was hours until the eight audience years. shut up. <laughs> What's that story that um, that that Doug Naylor tells, where they were doing the? Um, it must have been the um, in offline the, edit. Of in this. the yeah, in the offline edit. And, and, he, and uh, he was no. laughing so much that um, Ed sent him out to get the pizzas. Yeah. he laughed all the <laughs> all way the, to yes. the pizza shop. Laughed while he ordered pizzas. Laughed while he waited for them to be cooked, and laughed all the way back. <laughs> now you see, the way the production has talked about this, 
you're supposed to think that that big rubber thing is the a same. Real thing. It's the same. Yeah. But I've never thought it was that. I thought that big rubber thing was the polymorph changing. It could be. It could be easily fixed by having the sound effect as soon as they do the actual cut from the real snake to the prop. Or maybe even putting a bit of blurring over yeah. it. If you were remastering the episode, you could put a blur blurring <laughs> over not, that thing. Let's not go there. <laughs> Another thing about series that makes it unique is large, large hair. Larger than any other series. On Lister. Yeah. Mm. And the fluffiness of it. Even the cat. Well, the cat's hair changes from episode to episode in this yeah, series. It it's normally... More cons- his hair is more consistent throughout a series, but he's got he has it like he doesn't have it tied back or anything in body swap, and backwards I think as well he's got it loose. What's interesting there is Crichton just basically did a very good impression of Hudson Ten. It's insane. <laughs> it's also interesting how you've got Holly and Crichton sharing the exposition here. Yeah, yeah. the it whole works. thing was that that yeah that Holly became less important as Crichton did more of the exposition. Mm. But it and kind that of shows that, that you no, could do both. That is definitely the case as it goes on. Yes. But that's just because Robert finds his feet. He's still he's still not spot he's on. Still here. a functional character yeah. at this point. Yeah. As soon as. Well, you can, it's, it's Camille. Camille cements Robert as being one of the funniest things about the series. Like both ne- Rosalind, you know Chris and, and Craig. It's very odd, and I've never quite been able to figure out what quite happened mm. between those two series. That Where Robert goes from, I don't mean weak in any sense, but... But he is in certain episodes. Well, in certain episodes, but I mean yeah. in general. I don't, yeah. th- I don't, for instance, think this is a weak performance in, in Polymorph at all. But he goes from that to, as you say, being pretty, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, knowing, well, not knowing Robert, but knowing the way that Robert Our comes body. across in interviews <laughs> and stuff and, and from where I've seen him elsewhere, it could be just that he personally was integrating himself into what was already quite a tight-knit little yeah. cat. Like, obviously, Craig and Chris didn't particularly like each other, but it was it was coming into this thing that had happened for two series up in Manchester where everyone was going backwards and forwards yeah, and the yeah. camaraderie. Uh, and then series four came along, and every all of a sudden everything was different, and he was an old hand all of a sudden because he'd done this one series before where a lot mm. of the crew hadn't. Maybe, Obviously, yeah. the cast had, but the crew hadn't. So maybe it was just he was more comf- comfortable and confident, and so that came across in the character. Yeah. And more armchair psychology from James. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that mask is ten times better helps as well, of course. Yeah. Oh, lovely little bit of uh, lovely little little cherry picker. Ah, it's the talcum powder uh, box. It's also in backwards. There's a scene in X Files where Mulder and Scully. I I actually have a memory of telling the story before. Mulder and Scully are going into a warehouse full of boxes, as was their want, and one of them said, "It's here." Where somewhere they had the exact same exchange. <laughs> but what was that series Robin Doug wrote? The Y Files. <laughs> My God, God, sir. Scolder and Mully go around with torches. I do love this book. And um, the video effects, especially for the time, are really bloody good. Yeah. Um, yes. Was this the, um, the first time we saw Bazooka? I think so. Yeah. Because yeah. all right. Yeah. Maybe when you've got the balls in really big close up like that, maybe it doesn't work quite as well. But that initial <laughs> shot where they fire it and it goes, yeah. is really good. It's the first time they've needed bazookas. Yeah. Because it's, it's the first, first monster. monster. Yeah. 
Also, and they've also, got more blue gels than the entirety of the rest of Manchester at this point. <laughs> All the blue gels in Manchester were concentrated on this set. Why does he do this? this. Why does he do that? Because he's a stupid now, man. Now, isn't he trying to get the, them to impact on a box and blow themselves up? Yeah, but they go straight but through. But they go straight through yeah. and then chase them again. I think that's the intention. But it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit awkwardly... Yeah, they wouldn't go for the box, they'd go for his chest or something, mm. whatever the hottest part of it. But he, well, does he know that at the time? Cock. Maybe. Well, it's not that... Because they're already at that point, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, because they... There's a lot of waiting for something. Yeah. That's, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's smart bullets. It's a sci-fi thing that's going sussed away. This is actually a really weird extended sequence, isn't it? When you look at it in the context of the rest of Red Dwarf. Yeah. That Red Dwarf doesn't tend to do this kind that's of... That's a weird episode. Look, he's, cha- he's changed episode. his hair since the last scene. <laughs> yeah. He had it in a ponytail in the... Uh, drove room. It's really th- and funnily enough, Carl has done the exact same thing <laughs> the <sense> today. <laughs> the sense of scale in this scene is excellent. Like you really feel the distance between the cat and the other two. Yeah, and it's just some boxes. And it's just some boxes. Yeah, he feels isolated, and it feels like it's a bit scary. Uh, Robin Doug, I think oh, particularly Doug, Barber, who turned up in Doctor Who. Oh yeah, recently. Uh, Doug in particular, I think, and also Rob and Ed, hated this particular scene, the way it looks, uh, in the Six of the Best box set. Because it's just, they imagined it being the end shot of Indiana Jones and it ended up being just some cardboard boxes. But it is good. It is good. They do, They obviously have limitations, but they. it's just the, the editing and the cutting between shots, it makes it look bigger than it is. It makes it look like they are in a warehouse with thousands of cardboard boxes when, in fact, they were in a studio with ten cardboard boxes. (laughs) So, therefore, it's successful. I remember thinking this seems really rude when I first saw it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really rude. She's a rude lady. Well, we all assumed... Well, as we all assumed, I assumed. (laughs) When I got the VHS of this and it was a 15 certificate, (laughs) I thought, because Polymorph... A has the warning in the start saying some scenes may be unsuitable for viewers, which was just a publicity stunt. <laughs> it had the underpants scene and this sexiness, and it had let's get out there and twat it. I assumed that that was why it was a 15. Uh, and it didn't occur to me that the stuff about this losing his virginity as a 12 year old didn't occur to me. Because I was less than 12 myself at the time, and I thought, ooh. Am I going to have sex with someone? Excellent. The answer is no. <laughs> well, it was. It just wasn't what I what I intended. <laughs> but that was normal, right? This is good because yeah. it's so unrimmery. That's less good. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, what awful. the fuck is that? <laughs> Isn't it? That's really weird. And. Yeah, the the prop is it's a it's a fair job and it's a good effort. But <laughs> well, I mean, all right, it works. It works less the more you see of it. I it suppose. works as a as a but... <laughs> specific parody of Alien. I suppose <laughs> I love that. And Kevin, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin is you is undoubtedly excellent. Well, that's a that's a gag created by the Viz Effects team as well. Like, yeah. Mm. That that juxtaposition, that's, yeah. you know, it's obviously it's on the page, but the, in the little noise, the that is Mike, isn't it? That's yeah. Mike Tucker making the noise. Now that's a really good. How do they actually do that? Is it just a video effect? It's all on mirrors. I don't know. I don't know how it's done, and it only lasts a second and a half, and it's then it's odd, gone. Isn't and then, it? Yeah. I'm very odd. 
this is an interesting thing to have Crichton break character when we're still establishing what Crichton's character is because it's only his third yeah. episode and he's not in his second episode other than a, a minute in total. Does the fact but it's it's that weird thing where do you show a character more by breaking it and showing what? Yeah, he is uh, I suppose like? so. Yeah, That's but, true. yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, like the majority of dwarf fans, I think don't won't have watched the episodes in broadcast order, and so it's uh, when you come back to this, you know that this is the opposite of Crichton. But yeah, I suppose by telling you what the opposite of Crichton is, yeah. it informs what Crichton is. Which is exactly to. what happened in the very early next episode, Naked Now, where they decide to break all the characters and all to show what they really like. Do you know what? This scene could be improved if they um, put a completely <laughs> different voice on him as mum for no fucking so, reason whatsoever. That is that. That's not the same actress that was in the video and is in Dimension Jump, is no, it? No, it is. It is. She's but wearing she's a wig here. So completely different. Yeah. yeah. So why did they decide? That's a very specific decision they made. Yeah, there. to make her look different. Um, to make her look a bit more well, less well, old. prim, proper, and yeah, I'm presuming the idea is to rile. And yeah, it's maybe the implication is that she's. Just had a good scene to, so to speak. I always thought they'd aged her for some reason. Good, yeah, well, yeah, face. she's wearing a, a syrup. Yeah, actually, yeah. To be fair, the video was him when he was eight. Yeah, yeah. and now. So this is 30. his current mum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his it's, it's his idea of what his mother would be like. Yeah. Where she like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all tied up with his own self-image. So, so that's why in that case, it's actually great sense. attention to detail that <laughs> yeah. they did that. Well done, well done, everyone. Now this is good. Isn't there some kind of thing where? didn't the cast pretty much improvise the scene? And I don't mean that in a tumbler tumble way, way. <laughs> but I seem to recall there was an Talk there was an actual thing where um, where the cast were very involved in the in the, the, the and I think I think Rob and Doug were very kind of didn't want them to do it every week. I'm, I'm trying li- to figure out where I found out. <laughs> yeah they've got a bit worried. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit worried that if um Rolf Harris gets convicted then they won't be able to repeat this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Like Max in between is dressed up as Jimmy Sub. They're basically going to have to not repeat any archive ever. <laughs> yeah, anything before nineteen, anything before nineteen ninety, just write it off as a bad job. Lister has deliberately dirtied his face. And Cat's changed his hair again. <laughs> <laughs> the cast are just superb in these roles. Yeah, it's, they're it, playing completely different versions yeah. of their existing. Character. And they're and all you, so funny with it. And it, I think, obviously, it's such Chris an is the standout episode as well. Yeah, Chris is the standout, but that's always the case. <laughs> I just find it amazing how fast the time goes watching these episodes. It feels like five minutes in to me, and we're near yeah. the end. Yeah, we are right near the end. These versions of the characters, you only actually spend this time with, really. Yeah. Because Lister obviously gets changed first, but he's, then he's off screen for the majority yeah, of it. Yeah, he's unconscious for yeah. a bit. Yeah. And Cat and Crichton, when they get done, it's not long until Rimmer gets done. But they're so strong, so memorable that. Yeah. You feel as if you've spent twenty odd minutes with them. Yeah, and you can yeah you can print t-shirts based. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least one of them. <laughs> Oh, the clitoris gag is 
one of the most enjoyed it's ones in Red Dwarf history. Absolutely. And when I first watched this episode, I had no fucking idea what, it was, what that word meant. It's a great thing about <laughs> that guy. You've still got no idea now. Well, I, I, know, I know what it is, but where is it? <laughs> the great thing about that gag is that it's, for want of a better phrase, it's just tossed off. <laughs> it, it's clearly designed to be, you know, a, a big gag, but it's just... One slight drawback, the abbreviation is clitoris. And move on. Move on. on. Yeah. And that's really... Yeah. In Series 8. <laughs> oh, what would be the problem with calling it clitoris? Oh, well, the clitoris. <laughs> yeah. At least no one would be able to find our headquarters. Actually, no, I think they should have done that. They <laughs> wasted this gag. <laughs> This is quite a long extended scene. There's, there's a bit here that um, Shaun of the Dead reminds me of when Lister hits himself in the head with the baseball bat. <laughs> uh, Shaun does that at one point in Shaun of the Dead when he's explaining the plan, but they make a gag out of it. Yeah. Rather... <laughs> it seems like a Craig Charles physical ad lib. Yeah. <laughs> he got into trouble for those later on. <laughs> <laughs> I am, of course, referring to the health and safety regulations <laughs> that he broke whilst performing his stunts on a dwarf. <laughs> to hilarious consequences. Which is yeah, why everything laughing. was fine. You're not referring to the rape. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> There's loads of boxes again. And notice also how that... Um, I mean, it's such an obvious thing, but that um, kind of light box thing really yeah. kind of gives you a sense of... Where the fuck you are? Yeah, it's like a central. Sort of... I like the tiny H on his um, so tiny H, sorry, on his sign. That's oh yeah, to show that it's, it's a holographic yeah, sign. Doing that shit. Sign. Which you can. So draw, is the one on the pipe? <laughs> all kinds of political yeah. inference from that with uh, holograms going on marches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dirty daddies, dirty daddies, yeah. having to show that you know. Oh, it's a bit glary. But what's weird is that his sign Tubes. is so beautifully painted. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a computer. That is yeah. a three-way CSO shot. Yeah. Both the monster and the cast are on. Yeah. Uh, on a Against blue. A blue. Plate. It would have been blue. Uh, I think it's and that was good. one of the earliest examples of it, and that's Ed By being a really hugely innovative director, yeah. but doing been? something that is so easy now that. People don't give him credit for. No. Yeah. Hey, he was he was using such horribly outdated technology to get amazing results. Absolutely. But because he did his job so well, it's not noticeable. Well, and do you remember the the first version of that on the DVD that is actually fucking dreadful? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, there's two of them. Uh, I tell you what, this needs. This needs a caption to pop up explaining exactly <laughs> what happened to the second polymorph in tedious detail for no reason. Cackles to be all. honest, this in the original version is a bit of a crap it's, ending to an episode. It's a bit of a crap ending. Um, <laughs> you've got, for a start, for an episode that has such generally brilliant special effects, there's a horribly ugly wipe across yeah. the screen as you got to some Yeah, it's like a side-to-side and, side and wipe. And secondly, when you get the um, uh, reveal of the polymorph, bearing in mind the brilliant job with the um, three-way um, uh, CSO thing you say... The background changes yeah. when it goes from listers to the polymorph. So I it, if, it um, is a bit fucking clunky. I kind of understand why they wanted to improve it. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if. Well, we we don't we un, 
like literally don't know. I wonder what the if they were came to the end of the episode and thought, oh shit, we haven't got an ending. Let's sort of kind of tack this on, and so it was done quickly, or whether yeah. that was scripted or what, we don't it know. It seems like a tacked on thing. Get, yeah, it seems like they got to the end and kind of realised, oh, it doesn't. Really, well, there's not really much. There's, there's no moral, there. philosophical, or yeah. like plot based <laughs> conclusion, and or, or no gag to yeah. end it on. You say that, you, but it is a kind of throwback to those Monster of the Week Twilight Zone sort of type of. The, the sort, yeah, of, the sort of twist that they would do on those shows. Do you yeah. know what I'm wondering? Would it work better if you... Or it I don't think it quite work with what you've got as it shot. But if you had it where um, it ended with the da 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 like that. The end credits <laughs> rolled. And at the end of the end credits, you then had the reveal of contents too. Maybe. Faded out. Maybe. Now, I don't think maybe the footage they've got would make that quite work. But if you just had a bit of an additional ending... I, I think yeah. that's the kind of point that I was making, is that without that section, then there's no real thrust to get you into the end credits. Yeah. There's no gag yeah, or isn't. moment mm. or whatever at the end that's like, yay, end credits, da 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 yeah. And, and so that's why it's been inserted there, possibly. And it is actually because <laughs> Polywolf is, is, is generally seen as one of the best episodes of Red Dwarf. And it's got a bit of a... Well, certainly the ending is the weakest part of Polywolf. Yeah. Um, and Dimension Jump is seen as one of the strongest episodes of Red Dwarf. And that's got one yeah. of the weakest endings. Back to Reality ends with that really weird... No one likes a smart android, which really doesn't get... It's not bad, but it doesn't get a laugh. It's, no. Yeah. But I'm not sure that's meant to get a laugh. I think it's meant to be a kind of philosophical end, although, having said that, I'm not entirely sure it works. Well, no, yeah. because it's, ah, humans are the real monster. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah, it's this, it doesn't even occur to me when I think of the episode as an abstract thing when I'm not watching it. I don't... I'm more likely to think, oh, God, the remastered ending to it was shit, <laughs> rather than acknowledging, yeah, the original ending to mm. it is a bit shit as well, but that's because it's such a strong episode, and it's such... We've we've talked a lot over the course of the evening in which we're recording these about Red Dwarf's beginnings and it setting out its stall and what it intends to do. And Polymorph seems like the last piece of the jigsaw falling into place. Yes. Yes. It's the first time that there's a monster and a threat and something that's actually trying to kill them. So so wrapping it up and they hadn't quite got the the, the formula of kind of list to kind of been the the moral centre of of what has happened and kind of summarising it, and he mm. does that. He does that especially in series four. Yeah. Of of saying, oh well, you know, this this was this the is, theme of the episode. Yeah. This is the conclusion. <laughs> and I the moral centre yeah. of everything. It's it's like when you yeah. um, <laughs> when you learn Aesop's fables in school, and there's a sentence at the end that just says moral, and it sums up the story. <laughs> yeah. That was Lister's role <laughs> in ending episodes such as Justice, Meltdown, Back to Reality, yeah. Back to Earth, Part Three. Yeah, yeah. And um yeah, and it hasn't had that yet. Um dear Dave. <laughs> some of the moral stories that women are bitches. <laughs> the it's actually watching that. The stuff they uh managed to pull off in that episode would be extraordinary for an audience that come in twenty fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone Mm. 1989 and it is and how kind easy. of easy to forget when you've watched yes. it and you overwatch it and watched it and overwatched it mm. what how fucking revolutionary it's also easy to forget and amazing it's also was. easy to forget when you're being sneery about Red Dwarf as a lot of people are because it's just 
the the things that this show achieves is, is so easy to take them for granted or to actually just completely ignore them. Yeah, and it goes back to the point I was making about Ed Boy's direction and how revolutionary it was, is that the ultimate aim of any special effect, be it in camera or in editing or whatever, is to not be noticed. Yeah. And so... Is is like in nineteen eighty eight he had two Chris Barrys on screen interacting with each other. That's really fucking difficult yeah. to do. It's even difficult now, even though it's an easier process to make it happen in post. It's still difficult to get the performances right yeah. when you've got mm-hmm. yeah. when you've got two versions of the same character and whatnot. Yeah. And yeah, like you say the blue screen stuff here, the alternate versions of the characters, integrating the effects into the action so well. It's all Ed By being a really brilliant, brilliant studio director that doesn't really get talked about in Red Dwarf, to be honest. No, no. And, I mean, just stuff like the polymorph well, creature itself. Yeah. Since, since when did you see... I mean, all right, sometimes that creature looks better in some shots than others, but since when did you really get sitcoms doing that? Yeah. Like, yeah. in... Ever. Well, I think the, the closest is the young ones in, in, in the, the years before this. Yeah. Actually having it, it was the production manager and the, uh, and the producer on that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. the same people that <laughs> moved up on, and done Red Dwarf. Yeah. Dead gun damn Red Dwarf. Dead gun damn Red Dwarf, The polymorph as a specific um, alien parody. Uh, I watched this the wrong way around. Red Dwarf is the first of everything that I've seen. Red Dwarf is my my first, last, and everything in my life. If you'd watched Alien, if I'd watched Alien first and then watched Polymorph, you would have been traumatized for life. Yeah, you would have been far too young to watch Alien. I was was seven when I first watched Red Dwarf. I don't think I'd quite been ready for it. You need to come of age before you see Sigourney (laughs) Weaver's legs in that film. I think you come of age. You come for ages. <laughs> it's the little grey pants. Paul Montague would have been fun to them as well. <laughs> very, anyway. very dark, very, very dark. <laughs> very damp. The, the sets as well. When I first watched Alien, mm, I was yeah. struck by, oh fuck, this is Red Dwarf 3. Yeah. It was it was specifically yeah. once Mel Bibby got involved, yeah. he designed Red Dwarf based on the Nostromo. Yeah. And but for me, that it was Red Dwarf first. There's, there is kind of the so argument, strange. as much as I absolutely adore the sets in Red Dwarf 3, that they ripped off a bit too much. It's, it's yeah, the, the it's scenes a, early on in Alien where it's on in the bells of the ship where you've got um, the, your two pillars, uh, Yefik Koto and Harry, what's his name? At the same time, they are ripping off some of the greatest sets in any sci fi. Yeah, it's true. It's difficult for me to, as well. well it's very difficult well. for me to judge because I saw Polymorph before I ever saw Alien, and I can't look at it, as you say, and I can't look at it that. I can't look at it the correct way around. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, yeah that, that's, that, that's an age thing. That is just, just watching that, what really strikes me about. Um, about that whole episode is there is an ambition in every single aspect of that production that is rarely matched in any audience sitcom mm. now. Um, then I remember that, that blog post you wrote, John, on Dirty Feed about how, um, what was it, um, yeah, in our Hot Mom. Yes, it was, yes, because I had to use that example. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's this tr- out, outstanding, amazing um, set 
that made it look like an outdoor scene yeah. in in a foreign country. But then when you watch Lemons, you thought, oh god, that that still happened. Now, actually, you see, I have to admit something here. When I wrote um, that uh, that blog post on Dirty Feed, um, I didn't know about Lemons itself but I knew Red Dwarf 10 was coming and we mm. were pretty certain it was going to be audience and there was a tiny bit of a I might be able to refer back to this <laughs> now that wasn't the main point of the, the piece the point, main point of the piece was completely honest but at the back of my head there was a if Red Dwarf manages to pull off what I hope it manages to pull mm. off and whatever else I feel about Red Dwarf 10 it certainly pulled off some of the things I've been wanting audience had come to do for a good long while in you, terms you of wanted production. something pulled off <laughs> I did and, it, and, and, and Lemons um, from a production point of view is extraordinary well, maybe uh, not as ambitious as some of the stuff they've done Polymorph well, that's the thing is maybe like throughout the generations no matter where no matter what era Red Dwarf has been produced in Red Dwarf will always be the most ambitious sitcom on TV at that particular time Yeah. even now when the rest of the world has caught up with what Red Dwarf was doing in the 80s it's still <laughs> within some very constrained budgets that it has on Dave exactly will, will still what it's doing reach has above, kind of gone punch above its weight bit, but yes it's, it's always punched above its weight by being the first, the first digital sitcom. It was, uh, well, no, because you had Comedy Central, Paramount Channel uh, doing and UK Play doing things. It was, uh, it was um, Dave's first. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, of course, that was non-fiction. I, I was actually talking yeah. about this on um, UK TV's on, first fiction production. I was talking about this on Twitter recently. This is going off the point a bit from Polymorph, but it is vaguely oh. linked. Um, Whatever else I feel about Red Dwarf 7, I find it very, very interesting that the film effect they managed to slap on the um, uh, video mm. then actually looks better than a lot of audience yeah. sitcom shot now in native 25p. Yeah. I saw um, uh, I saw uh, Up the Women um, series 2 shot, which I... <laughs> you saw I, Up the Women? I saw Up the Women. Which <laughs> I, what um, angle you were Which I rather... Which I enjoyed, but the look of that show, the first series was shot on uh, normal video and I thought it looked lovely. Second, there is something very wrong about a lot of audience um, material shot native in 25p. Mm. It looks... It doesn't look. It's all the worst characteristics of film, and it's all the worst characteristics of video. And you can see it on um, Mitchell and Webb series three and four. There's some dreadfully shot stuff on yeah. Mitchell and Webb series three and four. Meanwhile, Red Dwarf Seven, for whatever faults I think it has, looks so much better. Well, than that, a lot of. And that, all right, I know it hasn't got an audience, but you know what I mean. It's something that I've always said about Seven is that the artistic decision that they made to put a film effect on it. I disagree with that decision, mm. but. Uh, the technical aspect of it is a really well done thing, yeah. and what was yeah. being used as a standard at the time, because this was before progressive scan was being would be able to be shot natively, easily, yeah. and cheaply, is uh, field removed video, and it mm-hmm. looks so much better than field removed video. It's, it's unbelievable. It's really I've not well, I've not seen anyone come up with with I mean you know I, I mean <laughs> Red Dwarf Red Dwarf Seven. It's picture quality for me. It looks better than Russell Davis Doctor Who. Mm. Wasn't seven field removed? I thought that was the technique. No, it wasn't. There was there was a slightly different technique. It was close to it, but it was something oh. else. But we it was, it was field removed. Yeah, it did right. because it was dealing with the source material. Yeah. There was something done at the source at seven. That we can't, haven't can't quite recall. got to the bottom of exactly why it looks not so good. Not quite the source because there are pl- there are untreated video 
there's one untreated yeah. shot in Duck's but the, Soup. The, or, the, the whole thing about if you're intending to make it look like that, then you light it a certain yeah. way. Yeah, and yeah, that's sure. what Remastered fell down on, is that it was lit for big, shiny, interlacy video, and yeah. uh, it doesn't work when you chop out half the picture information. Oh, God. <laughs> We've ended up talking about remastered. <laughs> but the point, but the point we're making is that for for all people who will um, say Red Dwarf went bad once it got to series three, I'm not saying you have to like it. What I'm saying is you have to acknowledge the ambition yeah. in that half hour of television. That is not half an hour of some characters saying smeg. There yeah. is there is um, ambition in every single aspect of that Despite production. what Andrew Collins may say. And I think it succeeds in all of them. But at the very least, even if you don't think it succeeds, you have to admire the ambition involved. I have to admit, I've got to admire your balls. <laughs> As a side note... Yes, oh yeah, because we haven't had enough of them, have we? <laughs> I think it's bullshit that the chapter breaks are split over two pages on this DVD. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've increased from uh, series one and two. I only had six chapter points on each episode, and now these have eight. Eight. Uh, they could have fit eight on that screen. That's just because it's your massive 50-inch screen. Good That's point. true. <laughs> I originally watched this DVD on like a 15-inch portable. <laughs> I, I originally watched it, I think, on um, on a computer monitor. Uh, certain, that was the only thing I had that was certain, um, Yeah, certain bits of dwarf DVDs, if you watch it on a laptop monitor specifically, or you know, any computer but anything that's not CRT... Mm-hmm. Um, you can see the edges of the frames and you can see lots of things that you're not supposed to see mm. because Red Dwarf 1, 2, 8 was shot for CRT TVs. Yeah. CRT TVs. So is. Is, is Polymorph the only episode of Red Dwarf that has the word twat? Is there another one? Uh, up until 2012, yes. Yeah, I thought... But since then, uh, Trojan has the word Remind me what the line is. But you were an absolute twat. And it's interesting that that yeah. uses the word in in, in an in, insulting, in an insulting way, way yeah. whereas polymorph doesn't. It's uh, it's a noun in Trojan and it's a verb in polymorph. It is it is unusual in Trojan, but it's it but it works kind of because plays of off that, that yeah. yeah. And it's a very. Using, I've always words. been impressed by using twat it as a chapter title on the <laughs> <laughs> And I assume. I think silly old trout's a good one as well. Oh, I think the chapter. Yeah, I think clitoris is also a uh, a thing. Who would want to leap directly to the end credits? Apart from people writing articles about people working on Red Dwarf, (laughs) I wouldn't know about that, of course. And uh, articles about about the the intricacies of how Bathurst and uh, Peterson. (laughs) A spell to in various series. <laughs> All right, so here's a question then. Um, and I Rob Llewellyn. I, I, ran, I ran into a bit of a sticky point in the last one. We're going to try again. <laughs> is uh, is Polymorph generally considered the best episode of Red Dwarf 3? Or would you say maybe the most well-remembered? Marooned has uh, taken it over in the public consciousness, I think. Yeah, I think for Red Dwarf, I think for Red Dwarf fans, well, Marooned has, but for the wider public, yeah, I, I would say Polymorph is the one. Uh, if remember. you look at the Silver Survey, uh, Marooned is number two. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Marooned, uh, but Polymorph is in the top ten. It's number eight, and four people put it as their top episode of all time. But then uh, thirty-two put thirty-two people put Marooned as their top episode of all time. 
Polymorph's the only episode I remember at school that had the, the kids that weren't the sort of Red Dwarf, regular Red Dwarf fans mm. coming in talking about it the next day and recreating bits of it. I think it was... it's, it's, it's oddly, uh, the, the, no one really thinks about the warning at the beginning of the episode now, but I remember when I heard about oh, it, yeah. um, I thought, I was terrified. Especially as a kid as yeah. well, like we all work people of our sort of age were either watching this uh, as it went out being really young or mm-hmm. watching it in the in the 94 repeat still being pretty fucking young but apart you, from Carl who was I, I remember looking away because I was worried there was going to be something absolutely terrifying and eventually I saw a bit more and a bit more and I realised yeah, I was it, fine with it it was something like but oh my god it, it felt naughty to watch it as it a did. kid it was like oh my god did you see Red Dwarf they, they, they said that they said it wasn't suitable for younger yeah. viewers and I <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what they wanted to happen. <laughs> yeah. The original um, 989 broadcast would have been pretty much in the middle of the kind of whole video nasty press yeah, for Ruray true. as well. Yeah. So it had that extra yeah. kick to it. it. That is exactly the type of thing that they'd falsely put on the front of those as well to create yeah, yeah, publicity. Yeah. Because there's... It's like, it's the implication is that it's um, it's a necessary... Like, in order to get it past the censors, they had to put this message on. But it's bollocks. So they just decided to do it because it would be funny. Well, no, you, but we you weren't say, to know that at the you time. Say, you say that, but is it actually that funny? It's not funny, but it's it creates an atmosphere yeah. that that plugs into a certain part of your brain that subverts your expectations of what TV is going to be wraps... and what TV comedy is going to be yeah. to have a comedy show that requires a warning at well, the start see that's the thing Does does because the warning itself doesn't make you laugh but does the fact the warning is there and therefore creates this heightened sense there's, there's a frisson yeah that is what possibly makes the episode funnier it, it's all part of it it's definitely part of it it's what the is... atmosphere that you that you go into it thinking of and and being part of. As much as it borrows from aliens, it also spoofs the whole sort of wave of cheap alien rip-off films that kind of <laughs> follows. It, it fits that kind yeah, of it, been it, was, it was one of them itself. Okay, well. Uh, I think that's... I think that's an episode. That's yeah, an ending. That's, um, it's an ending of sorts. We, what we, we need to do is it. have a second version of Capsi who's going to walk in the room and then turn to camera and grin <laughs> yeah. and turn into a monster. Um, so Ian's going to go off to hide in my sock drawer and <laughs> die in a few years' time. Um, but uh, but yeah, sorry about this. We, we, we've just recently well, re-remembered that we can actually keep talking after the <laughs> So this is to your benefit or detriment. Because depending. to be honest, people just listen to it on their way to work and their smartphones. They don't need to sync it up. On your camera phones. <laughs> Um, so yes uh, uh, thanks for persevering um, well, Cy Bromley who is the only one left <laughs> um, <laughs> to be fair Polymorph has a bit of a disappointing end so it's only fair that this follows suit yeah exactly Yeah, so our disappointing end involves me referencing Cy Bromley <laughs> god I'm tired right um, I've got a bit of a disappointing end yeah is yeah. it your penis it is okay. it's a bit wet and uh, unpleasant <laughs> sticky like Crichton's mask in this episode. <laughs> good night. <laughs> good night to you all. Bye. Or good morning. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye.
God. <laughs> These are getting worse, aren't they? 